Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Hi, my name's Angie, and I'm continuing in our well-being series. We had an excellent start last weekend with Krish Kandaya talking about Shalom talking about a wholeness that God wants for each and every one of us, talking about our relationship with God, our relationship with people, our relationship with the world, and the relationship with ourselves, a wholeness, a shalom. And we're looking at this well-being series at the many of those different aspects, and today we're going to be looking at relational well-being. You know, you see, God has made us to connect, and God wants us to connect, and I believe that he wants us to have wholeness and well-being. Recently, Steve and I and some of the family went off on holiday. We went down to Cornwall and uh, we were waiting actually to see if we could actually go on holiday. We had the place booked and we waited for the government to announce, could we actually start traveling? And the Friday we got that announcement, by Monday we were packed, we were raring to go and we were on those roads. We had a great week building sandcastles with our two-year-old grandson and doing all the things that you do on holiday, eating ice cream, probably eating too much and just spending time together. We had a really nice time. You know, on our way back, we decided that we're calling to Devon. It's where my sister and family are, and we thought we'll catch a meal with them. So scones and jam and cream became scones and cream and jam, or is it the other way around? I can never get those quite right. And on our way to Devon, we were traveling. I think it was the A38 we were traveling along. And as we were going along this road, quite narrow, not very populated, Steve said to me, "Uh, we should have enough petrol to get there. I thought in my mind, we should have enough to get there. And it's like, yeah, we, we have enough to get there. So I'm thinking, okay, well, if we see a station, we're likely to pull in and we'll pull in and we'll get some fuel and we'll top up and we'll carry on. Soon, not long after, there was a, a, a garage came up in my sight and I saw it and I thought, well, we'll pull over, we'll get the fuel and then we'll probably grab a bottle of water and be on our way. But little did I know, we drove straight past that garage and we didn't stop. And Steve's comment was, we should have enough to get there. And I'm thinking, enough to get there? As we were driving towards Dartmoor and things were getting less populated and the roads were getting narrower, we had the conversation. Steve, don't you think that we need to get some petrol? Oh, we should have enough to get there. At this time, we had about six miles left in the tank and it was glowing red and it had been for a while. He said, something will turn up. And sure, and lo and behold, we found a little station with one petrol pump, with a guy that comes out and, pet, and you know, tanks up for you, and then goes in and sorts out the, all the money into the garage. You know those things that you see in the films and you don't actually realise they exist, exist here still in the UK? Well, they do. And we burned Steve's question to me as with, should we stop? I was like, yeah, I think we should stop. Let's get some fuel. But, you know, I think that's often a picture of what we can be in life that we try and have just enough to get there. We go to the final margins and we push it to see that whether we've just got enough to get by. But I really believe that God doesn't want us to just have enough. He doesn't want us to live life on empty, but he wants us to live life on full. God's been speaking to me recently about that verse where it says in the psalmist says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. That doesn't talk about just enough. That talks about an overflow. As we traveled back from uh, Cornwall and through via Devon, then we went to Bath for a few days to celebrate our 35th wedding anniversary. 
And as we were there, we, were walked, we spent time walking down a canal there in Bath. It's beautiful. And again, I thought about a canal. It's there for work. A canal was originally created for work, for cargo to go along. It's a work uh, place for water to flow, and it's for work. And sometimes I feel that my life can be like that. My life and my relationships are all about making things happen for a purpose. And I've been challenged by God recently that, you know, sometimes I read in order to help other people. I worship so that I'm tanked up so that I can give out to other people. I pray so that I can pray for other people. But God's been speaking to me about the overflow, that to be less like a canal, but more like a reservoir. And a reservoir is filled up, tanked up, and then the overflow goes out from that place of full rather than empty. I wonder for you today, whether you're listening to my voice, if you need that fullness, you need that sense of coming from a place of fullness rather than empty, then this series is for you. And today, talking about relational well-being, I want to help you to see ways that you can build up that reservoir and that tank. You know, when we go to my phone, and I've left it for a while, it actually it goes into a holding state. And when I look at something on the web and I haven't been on my laptop for a while, it goes into a holding state. I have to refresh. And in order to refresh, I have to connect. It has to connect to something bigger in order to refresh the page. And that's what we need to do in life. We need to connect in order to refresh. God made us to connect. He made us to connect with himself and he made us to connect with one another. Right in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden, there was a connection, there was a relationship with Adam and Eve, with each other, and with God. They were there in that garden, and uh, when Adam was first created, God said, it's not good for Adam to be alone, it's not good for mankind to be alone. So he created Eve, the pinnacle of creation. And he said, alone no more. You see, aloneness is our greatest fear. We don't ever want to be lonely. We never want to be alone in a state of loneliness. There's a difference between being alone and loneliness. But loneliness, when we have got no connections, we feel disconnected and isolated, is one of our greatest fear. You know, today has, research has shown that people are feeling more isolated and lonelier than ever. Now in this time of lockdown, when we have Zoom more than anything, we can feel really disconnected with people. We can feel a sense of uh, lack of emotions that come across that screen to us. And we have to work really hard to keep connection. One thing I've heard is that if you feel like waving at the end of your Zoom call, then wave to people on the end of your Zoom call. It brings a sense of connection. It brings a sense of real people behind that screen. The other thing is to check out on Zoom how people are feeling. Go around the room and just see one word. How are they feeling right now to build a bit of connection? God built us for connection. We are born out of a relationship, the Godhead. We are born out of relationship for relationship and we, we need relationship. That's why we're passionate here at C3, for people to get involved in C3 groups, get involved in courses, to come along to Sunday meetups, to regularly watch Sunday online, because God created us for connection. When sin entered the world through what Adam and Eve did and they broke their relationship with God, they broke trust with God. In fact, Eve didn't really trust God and because of their lack of trust of God, then they had lack of trust of one another. And then God couldn't trust them. 
God actually actually sent them out of the garden because they'd eaten of something that showed them, it was the fruit that showed them about good and evil. They had a revelation that there was bad things in the world and there's good things in the world. And the reason that I believe that God sent them out, and it says in Genesis 3 verse 22, he sent them out of the garden because there was another tree, the tree of life. And they may have eaten of that and he couldn't trust them not to eat of the tree of life, which would have meant they would have been in that state for eternity and not being able to find a solution for what the damage that had been done. You see, God then had a plan, and his plan was Jesus, that Jesus would come to the earth, and that those broken relationships could be restored and reconciled again to the Father and to one another. We are broken people living in a broken world, but Jesus came so that we can be reconciled, reconciled to God, but also reconciled to one another. That's it's through Jesus that we can find healing. It's found G through Jesus that we can find reconciliation. You know that healing can come. We have to come back to him time and time again. But here's our life source. Here's the place that we can find that reconciliation. The way that we can build relationships, I really believe, are built on trust. The trust was broken down in the garden, but I think there are ways that we can build trust. Relationships are built on trust. You know, we can't make people trust us. We can't make people say, you will trust me. All we can do is to behave in certain ways that allows them to see that we can be trusted, that we can have certain behaviors in our lives that others can look on and see, I can trust that person. You see, trust isn't based on feelings. Feelings just come and go and they just are there. But trust is based on beliefs. A belief is more than a feeling. A belief is a feeling that has justification and have evidence for why you believe that is the case. You know, I believe in God and I believe that God can be trusted. And that's because I've seen over time his faithfulness. I've seen that he has not let me down. I've seen that he has provided. I've seen that his word is true over and over again. Sometimes I may not feel his love, but I always believe that he can be trusted because he's shown me enough evidence over a period of time in my life to know that he is good and that he is God and that I can believe in him and trust in him. During this lock time season, many relationships have been at strain and have broken down. Marriage has come under pressure and we felt like we've been in a pressure cooker situation. How can we build trust again? I'm quickly going to go through four attributes or maybe five. The fifth one I'm going to leave more to unpack under our C3 groups this week. But four attributes of what we can do to help people to trust us. You see, we need connection. We need people to trust us to have healthy, strong relationships. And I credit this to Chuck Coker of Life Thrive, Life Thrive fame. The first attribute of trust is to show people, is to be transparent. You know, some personality types will find this hard, but it's really essential to learn to do. Brené Brown will talk about vulnerability. But transparency isn't just about being honest about your feelings and your emotions. It's also how to communicate and how to make sure that you're being very clear on what your expectations and, and what your role is and talking things very clearly through. 
we have a phrase that says, clear is kind. You see, silence, when you don't communicate, breeds suspicion. And it's often worse than dealing with the reality. If you have a medical condition and you're not going off to the doctors and you're finding out what is going on and you're going to find out some test results or something, then actually you might dread the day. But actually when the day comes, it's better to know the news than to always th sit and think, what is going to happen? You see, the unknown is scary. The unknown, in our hearts, we often, in our minds as humans, we expect the worst. So actually, when we have clarity, we can deal with the truth and we can deal with reality. When Steve and I were early married, I found it really hard to express my emotions and really hard to tell him what was going on or, or to explain things to him. I wasn't quite sure whether it was safe or not safe or how I should do this. You know, I even found a bit, felt a bit trapped when he wanted to know where I was going, what I was doing and what, what my timetable was like. You know, over time, I discovered that if there was going to be any intimacy, any real connection, then there had to be clarity. There had to be communication. And when we talk now, as you can imagine, 35 years didn't take that long. But, you know, we talk clearly and honestly and openly to each other. And you know what? If we have misunderstandings, it's both our responsibilities to make sure that we've got clarity of our hearts for one another. Being transparent helps people to trust our words. And our phrase is, clear is kind. The second attribute is relatability. Every relationship needs to find common ground. Similar maybe hobbies of life or situations or experiences. But I believe God has made us all different. He's made us different in the way that we deal with the world. Research has shown that 14% of the population are problem solvers and they like to get the job done, 14%. 28% are social specialists. They love being around people, they love being involved. These are the guys that really want to be invited to the party. 40% are care specialists. They really need to know that you care. And 18% are fact specialists. When you talk to people, talk to them and find out are they talking about people? Are they talking about factual information? Or are these problem solvers? Once you know where they're coming from, you can relate to them in a different way. I went to somewhere where they were sitting in between a professor of theology and a professor of biomedical sciences. I was at a lecture and I sat there and I thought, my GCSE or O-level biology is not gonna get me very far, nor my reading of Henry Cloud or Ortberg on these two guys here. How am I going to relate and how am I going to connect to who I'm talking to right here? I ended up talking about hobbies, they're moving to Cambridge, their families. Uh, what, one of them was a German theologian, so how a really good German Christmas looks. I had lots of things I could find connection with. And we talked, they were fact specialists. I couldn't speak to them on their level of their facts, but I could speak to them and found common ground. And we had a good evening and we related one with another. Relatability helps people trust your heart. And our phrase is, I see you. I see who you are. The third one is predictability. 
1998, the World Cup was held in Lyon, France. You might remember, I think it was Croatia and Brazil were playing at the time. My brother-in-law landed himself two free tickets because he was commentating at the World Cup. And he offered Steve these two, two free tickets. At the time, our family was an eight-year-old Josh, a six-year-old Becky, and a five-month-old Megan. Steve was very keen to go. Obviously, I wasn't thinking that I would go with him, and he thought he'd take a friend with him. When we told our children that Daddy was likely to go to Leon and go and see this football match, our six-year-old Becky, her cry from her heart was, but a promise is a promise. You see, we promised them we were going to camp that weekend and we were going to set up a tent and we were going to camp in the garden. And all she could think of was, a promise is a promise. In school, she'd been learning about weddings and how you make promises to people. Wanting to be predictable parents and ones that the kids that could, that could be trusters, we managed to negotiate a change in circumstances. We managed to negotiate uh, a, a, kind of like a compromise. And as Steve went off in that train and he went off to Leon to the football match, I gathered all the bedding and we all camped in one bedroom all together overnight for those two nights. A promise is a promise. If we want people around us to trust us, then we need to show that we are predictable. When we say we're going to meet up for coffee, we send that text and we make the arrangement. When we say that we're going to meet up and Zoom and we must have a conversation, we make sure that we send the link and we make it a priority and put it in our diary. You see, without follow through, people will not begin to trust us. It will break the trust around us. Predictability helps people to trust your actions. And a promise is a promise. And the fourth one I'll look at here is feasibility. Do you have a dream? And do you have the plans to get there? I have a friend who talks about having a coffee shop, then talks about having a hotel, then talks about having an Airbnb, then talks about the house renovation that they're going to do. All over the years, different plans and projects have been talked about, but none of them have ever come into fruition. Now when the new project is talked about, I don't really have the bandwidth to talk about it any longer. Because dreams may inspire us, but plans are the things that help us to get there. And plans may, may mean that you need input, you need support, you need guidance, you need counsel. But when you're feasible, when you help people see that you actually have a dream, but you also have a plan, then people can trust your judgment. Feasibility helps people trust your judgment. Dreams come with a plan. Now, the final one is on empowerment. We're going to look at that more at C3 groups. But suffice to say, when you empower the people around you, it helps people not only to trust you, but to trust themselves and gives them the courage to go again. In our family, we have a favorite set of verses. It's because our, my mother-in-law, Beryl, used to say this and used to write it in cards to us regularly. And whenever I see it now, I remember with fond memories, but also remember the truth of these verses. It says in Proverbs 5, verses 3 to 5, Trust the Lord with all your heart, and do not lead, lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Trust the Lord with all your heart. We can trust him. He has a plan, and he has a purpose. 
His words are true. He spoke and he created. His actions are valid. He came and he said he would bring Jesus and he brought Jesus. He had a purpose and he had a plan. We can trust him. He is clear and he says at the end, Jesus said, go and make disciples in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. I trust God. Do you trust him today? Let's be trustworthy people. Live our lives on fullness, on the overflow, not living life with just enough to get by. Let's build trustworthy relationships with one another. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You know, in the Bible it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. You need to trust God. He can't force us to trust him, as we've said. Nobody can force you to trust them. But you know, God has shown that he can be trusted by sending Jesus. And right now, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you've never actually said that you want to trust God. Maybe you've never entered into a relationship with God. Well, there's an opportunity for you to do that. This is the first step that you want to, you're going to open your hearts to God, open your heart to Jesus to say, I want to trust you. I believe in you. I believe what you did in that cross was for my salvation so that I can find a way back to the Father. Or maybe some of you out there, you do have that relationship with God, but you've, some of the trust has been broken down. I want you to join in with this prayer as well. Enter into this prayer so that we are actually giving our hearts back to God to say that we do trust him and uh, we're going to ask him to help him, us to trust him even more. So let's say this prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to the earth for me. I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that on that cross, my sins were paid for. I thank you that you loved me so much that you were prepared to die for me. So Lord, today I give you my heart. I give you my life. I say that I trust you and I give my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk/giving, and get involved. God bless you.